house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun, and it's been a ruin of many a poor boy. And God, I know I've won. To the show, fellas, it's that time of year. It's tournament time. It's championship week, and it, championship week really already started last weekend with a lot of the uh, mid-majors playing. I think Arch Madness was was last weekend. Is that right, Andy? Do you know about that? Yep, just finished up uh, this weekend. Yeah. So that's really the start of championship week. It's, it's a two-week process leading into March Madness, the best time of year, leading into Selection Sunday. Big Ten will kick things off on Wednesday afternoon with the Gophers and Northwestern, followed by Nebraska and Penn State um, on Wednesday to kick things off for the Big Ten. Um, we'll, we'll go through a couple of the big conferences here in a little bit. Let's start with the Big Ten, um, and it could be an unprecedented finish if Ohio State can hang on and, and stay in that top one to two seed, the top two lines. Because right now, how it's projected, um, four teams from the Big Ten would be on the top two lines of the NCAA tournament, um, at least in Lenardi's eyes. Joey Brackets over at ESPN Bracketology has Iowa as a two-seed, Michigan as a one-seed, Ohio State as a two-seed, and Illinois as a one-seed. So two ones, two twos. That would be the highest finish for any conference in, in the history of March Madness. Um, the ACC had three teams uh, on the top line in 2019, I believe, with Virginia, Carolina, and Duke. But no conference has ever had four teams on the top two lines. So it would be an unprecedented finish for the Big Ten. Um, Andy, how are you feeling about Iowa heading into the tournament? Um, you guys are on the double bye. You'll have the winner of Wisconsin and uh either Penn State or Nebraska. So you guys aren't playing until Friday. Uh, yeah, Friday. But how are you guys feeling? You guys pretty healthy Friday. coming in? Uh, Joe Wieskamp just turned his ankle uh, against Wisconsin. Mm. So his uh, right. yeah. uh, his availability is up in the air, but you know, we have a week. Uh, I was in this weird spot where there's some people saying that we're kind of locked into it too. And, um, I mean, at least history says, and, and you know, Coach Calabari's made it well known that uh, results on um, on Selection Sunday in the conference championships don't uh, don't move uh, move the pendulum all that much. And but Iowa's in a position where they could, you know, beat Wisconsin, who's probably a five seed. Uh, I don't I don't know what Larry has them as. Then um, they'd probably play Illinois, who's a one seed, and then probably Michigan. Um, and to me, it baffles me that people think that if Iowa didn't, if Iowa won the Big Ten tournament beating Illinois and Michigan right now, consensus one seeds, that Iowa wouldn't jump one of them uh, for one of those number one seeds. No, but they on the they definitely side, would, I think. Um, on the flip side, we don't know how healthy Joe Wieskamp is, and I think we're for sure locked into a number two seed, and I think Iowa fans um, – would be perfectly fine with a two seed and a healthy Joe Wieskamp as opposed to trying to push him back uh, to play early. Um, 
just for that uh just for that one seed because it's not like we're going to be putting a bracket with uh we're in a region with illinois or um michigan anyway i think uh lenardi's last bracketology had us in the same region as baylor um so i mean one or two seed it doesn't matter a whole lot until you get into like the elite eight sweet 16 um but um yeah i mean i think it's going to be um it's going to be a great Big Ten tournament, that's for sure. Um, I mean, the Michigan State's the big double team now coming off their win against Michigan this week is, you know, Tom Izzo getting those boys ready for March like he always does. Mm-hmm. So can, I think the biggest story is can Michigan State win a couple games uh, and play their way into the tournament as one of those last four teams in. Um, but besides that, I think the rest of the Big Ten is pretty set in stone when it comes to their, uh, their their positions, whether or not what uh, whether they're in or out of the, the tournament. Yeah. So here's what who Lenardi has in right now. So the four teams that we already mentioned: Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, as well as Purdue as a number four seed, Wisconsin as a number seven seed, Maryland as a ten seed, Rutgers as a ten seed, and Michigan State as one of the last four teams in as a number eleven seed. That's nine teams. Andy, is that is there any teams you think he missed? Is there any teams I missed just looking at his bracket? Um, is there anybody who's on that list that, that might get left out? And BG, feel free to ju- jump in there too. I mean, Michigan State being one of the last four and is definitely the double team. I think the difference of the Big Ten this year as opposed to, you know, maybe the last five years, let's say, is that the Big Ten has been so evenly matched at the top where you've had, like, eight or nine teams that are probably all about the same skill level, like coming down to the end of the season, going into March Madness. And I think that's part of the reason why you haven't had a big 10 team, you know, win win the whole thing. Um, But this year you have uh, four teams that are capable of winning it all, um, which is much different than the big 10 spent the past four years. So um, yeah, the big 10 is going to lead all conferences in in the number of teams that it gets into the tournament. But the biggest story, I think, is the caliber of the teams at the top of that list, um, as opposed to, you know, in years past where we've had a bunch of three, four, and five seeds. Um, but to have, you know, like we just talked about, possibly two number ones, two number two seeds, um, is, like, it's, it's almost impossible that they can, it doesn't have at least one team in the final four, not two. Yeah, it definitely seems like there's a there's a very good chance, uh, especially this year with just how good Michigan is playing. Although they did just get beat by Michigan State, like you said, and that's just been the the nature of the beast of the Big Ten this year is teams beating up on each other, and that's the old cliche of the Big Ten and, and Big Ten basketball and even Big Ten football as well. But Michigan will definitely have a chance. Michigan State rather will definitely have their chance on Thursday. They play Thursday morning. Um, it's like an 11 o'clock central tip or something like that. They play against Maryland. So that's going to be a great basketball game. Um, and Michigan state needs a win. I mean, if they lose, they're out, at least in my mind, I think they definitely need a win against Maryland and then they'll play Michigan and just a good showing there probably gets them into the tournament. Um, Penn state, they play Nebraska, uh, on Wednesday, tomorrow, they're going to need a couple wins, but if Penn state knocks off, Nebraska, Wisconsin gets to Iowa. Is there any chance they have that, that Penn State has of getting in, Andy? Uh, I mean, it's 
it's hard to tell because like Penn State's a team that um, I shouldn't say just Penn State in particular, but um, not following the mid-major tournaments too closely. Um, more than likely, you know, Penn State could rattle off a couple of wins, but then get bounced off if uh, St. Mary's comes and wins the WCC, yeah. or if you have some, um, you know, some other mid-majors winning their conference, locking up automatic seats that the other has wouldn't have. Um, I think we, we saw that with Memphis over Louisville uh, a couple nights ago. Um, and I think it's, is that the A-10, AAC? Yep, the A-10, yeah. A-10, yep. Um, and it happens every year, and um, I mean, I think if Penn State wins a couple games, then they're probably one of the first first four out. Um, but um, yeah, I think um, I mean these next couple days is, is the mid majors and smaller conferences wrap up their tournaments, and uh, you know we just have the 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 Power Five conferences left. We'll have a much better idea of um, you know what. Mid-majors have their automatic bids locked up, and if they're bouncing any teams um, that otherwise would have made it into the tournament. Yep. Yeah, a lot does ride on those automatic bids. Uh, BG, you're a betting man. Who is your favorite, or who are going to be some of your picks uh, for the Big Ten tournament this weekend? Well, I'll just touch on the Penn State talk quick. I think that they're going to have to win at least three games. So, beat Penn State or beat Nebraska, beat Wisconsin, and beat Iowa um, to even have consideration to make it into the tournament since right now they're 10 and 13. Yep. If they win those three matches, they're 13 and 13. Um, and that's going to be a very persuasive argument to put them in the tournament over some other team from a mid-conference who went 15 and 5. Um, so I think they're going to have to make a very deep run to even be considered in the tournament, and I, uh, I think they're going to lose to Wisconsin if they make it out of the first game. But yeah. I think, and Andy kind of alluded to it before, but I think there's five or six teams in the Big Ten tournament that have a legitimate shot of winning the championship, um, the Big Ten championship. I obviously, obviously think that um, we have a couple heavy favorites like Illinois, Iowa, Michigan. But as we've seen before, Michigan State, Tom Izzo, he's, he always gets the guys ready come March. They beat Michigan just the past week. Um, if they can beat Maryland, if they can beat Michigan, again, they're right back into it. Purdue, a number four seed, which is surprising given that Ohio State's a, a five seed and number two projected seed in March Madness. So I think that Ohio State can make a run as we've seen the great team that they've turned out to be. So it's an exciting year, and I guess it's kind of similar in ways uh, to the past couple of seasons where the Big Ten is so deep where four or five teams, in my opinion, could legitimately win the championship. But we have these stellar teams that hopefully, for the Big Ten's sake and just being Big Ten basketball fans, can make it to the Final Four and multiple teams because we have two one-seeds, two two-seeds as of right now. It's probably going to change depending on all sorts of stuff. But it's exciting to see that we are kind of top-heavy uh, this season, as we alluded to, no conferences had four teams in the top one or two seeds in March Madness, but we're also so deep. It's a great comp- combination. Um, I know we've kind of talked about it before, but when comparing conferences, it's the Big Ten and the Big 12 when it comes to basketball. And other than that, it's not remotely close at all. And I think the Big Ten is shoulders above the Big 12. 
um, especially this season and last season for sure. And maybe the season before that. So um, I, I'm just excited for this to get underway on Wednesday. I was watching the games last night on Monday and just seeing Northern Kentucky and Appalachian state teams. I'm never going to watch again, but when they have a seed next to their name and the game means if they win, they can make it to the March Madness tournament. And if they lose, they're done. It just makes it so exciting. I don't care who I'm watching. It's March and I'm getting into the tournament and bracket play right now. And I'm super excited um, for the, the power five schools to get going and have a little treat before selection Sunday, this upcoming Sunday. Yeah. This is just, this week is, is like studying before the test. You know, we got the big March madness, the big 64 team tournament tests coming out in just a couple of weeks. And, and you just got to do your final preparation here, watching a couple of these random teams that you never see play like Elon, the hottest team in the country right now. <laughs> Uh, watching them win with, I think Simon Wright is on there, t- that team. Yeah, I was going to say, I totally forgot, and then I saw yeah. him on the bench when I was watching that. Yeah, well, he was in the game for a little bit at least. Uh, maybe yeah, we'll yeah, have to try points. to get him on the pod. Um, but, yeah, watching watching a team like that, you, you'd never watch Elon play basketball until the, the first weekend of March, right before March Madness Conference Tournament time. It's, it's a magical time. Um, let's give the Gophers just a little bit of time here. They have Northwestern. Tomorrow, um, BG, what are they going to have to do to, I mean, do they have to win at all? Is there any chance the Gophers don't win at all if they get to semifinal? Is that enough in your mind to get to March Madness? Three more wins against, it would be Northwestern, Ohio, Ohio State, and Purdue. That's two really good wins against Ohio State and Purdue. Is that enough, or would they even need to get one more against Michigan Uh I think the Gophers have to win the Big Ten tournament to make it into March Madness. Really, we we haven't we haven't won a road game this yeah. season. I think we've lost, I don't know, six games in a row, seven games in a row going into March Madness. We've been on the easiest part of our whole schedule this season. We've lost to Northwestern, we've lost to Nebraska, we've lost to Penn State, and they haven't been close games against good teams either. We've been getting blown out. Um, of course, we've had Robbins and Kelsher who have been injured, but as a team that's beaten three of the Big Ten teams that are projected in the top two seedings right now, it's just inexcusable, this huge decline that we've had. Um, we're currently sitting under 500 or yeah. 500 right now. No, 13 and 14, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think we have to win every single game, and I think they do take into account how hot teams are in their last 10, last 15, what their record has been. And ours is absolutely horrible. Yeah. Like talking about Michigan State, they come ready to play. Uh, Izzo gets their guys ready to march. Patino does not, and it shows. I haven't watched a Gophers game in probably a month and a half. It's just so painful. So to answer your question, first off, we're going to have to beat Northwestern, which you'd think would be easy, but we just lost to them uh, a week or two ago. I do not know the status on Robbins and Kelsher if they're expected to play. Yep. I think Kelsher isn't. Or Robbins is, from what I've heard. Robbins is, I think, going to play. I don't think Kelsher is expected to play. Okay. And if I had to choose one, it would have been Robbins, who I would have wanted to play just because yep. he has a much greater impact on the floor than Kelsher has had with not shooting the ball well or anything. And Robbins is our big guy down low who can stretch out the floor too. And he's had a great year. Um, being a transfer from Drake, but I think that we're going to have to play defense um, 
like we have not been doing the second half of the season. And we're going to have to find ways to score that isn't Marcus Carr going one-on-one or it isn't dropping the ball to Liam, Liam Robbins with five seconds left in the shot clock. We're going to have to find ways to score with our second or third guy in the rotation. And we have, we have shown as a team and a coaching staff that we do not know what to do once our first or second option is taken off. Um, and the defense cues in on them because we were getting away with that in the beginning of the season and they took away Robbins and Carr and we just had no idea what to do. So it's going to come down, I think, to if Robbins can stay healthy in the game and he can have a good game, that'll be very impactful for us. And if we can just play more so as a team and not just give the ball to Marcus Carr because he's Marcus Carr, um, that comes back to hurt us. And I I hope we I hope we beat Northwestern, but at the same time, if we lose, it's not the end of the world because mm-hmm. it's just a horrible game waiting to happen. And yeah. I know that sounds gloomy, but it's hard not to be with these past two months for the Gophers team. Yep, it, it's coming to an end. At least it it sure seems like that, barring a a miracle run that would, you know, surprise us quite a bit. And and we're pretty optimistic on this podcast, and we're pretty optimistic about the Gophers, but. Yeah, they've, they've really fall, fallen off completely, BG, and there's just nothing going. It, it sounds like Liam Robbins will be a game-time decision on Wednesday. Um, I always kind of lean towards them playing when it's a game-time decision, but you never really know. I don't. I haven't heard anything about Kelshoy. I just assume he is out. Um, I didn't see any injury news on him on any of the Gopher sites. I just checked. Uh, so I, I'm assuming Kelshoy's out, but it, it's going to be a very ugly finish to the season. It, it sure seems like that. And now it gets into the talk, and as soon as this season's done, I'm sure we'll get into this kind of talk, but who is going to be the next coach of this Golden Gopher basketball team? Maybe it's Eric Musselman. Maybe it is, BG. I would love, love, awesome. love, love the Gophers to hire him. Um, I mean, he's he's got Arkansas as a number two seed in the SEC tournament starting on, I think it's Wednesday as well, maybe Thursday. Um, they, they're probably not playing until Friday, having the double bye in, in the SEC tournament there, but looking what he's done at Nevada and now what he's doing at Arkansas. Why not? Why not bring him home, bring him back to Minnesota? We started coaching with the Timberwolves as a, and as a, an assistant. He was on, pardon my take, this week. Um, so it, it's just fun to hear a guy like that talk. We obviously know his brother Max, who I think is going to come on the show on Friday to talk um, weekend uh, of conference tournament, so the, the weekend action from Friday on. Uh, of the Big Ten, the ACC, and the SEC, which he watches a lot, obviously, with Arkansas in that division. Um, but, but getting back to Patino and the Gophers, it's coming to an end very soon for Richard Patino, and he's going to be sent packing from town, and it'll be exciting to talk about uh, the potential of, of a new coach coming into town here and, and finally making this Gopher basketball program um, at least as good as it should be considering all the talent that comes out of Minnesota year after year since the Tyus Jones class went through, really. I mean, there's just been elite talent that has been walking out of the state and, and going to help other programs get to, to March Madness and into Sweet 16s and Final Fours and even win national championships when you talk about Tyus Jones. And it, it's it's incredible that the Gophers can't even keep one or two of these guys home a year. And if they could, they'd be so much better. So that's that's really what we need, BG, somebody to lock down the border, somebody to keep this town in state, and then we'll be fine from there. And it- yeah, it, it's going to be fun to watch, I guess, on just like a slightly different topic. It's going to be fun to watch March Madness and see all the Minnesota guys who are in the tournament. Because yep. as we've talked about before, there's so many that are in college basketball right now 
and on almost every team they're on, they're the most impactful or at least one of the most impactful players on the team, whether it's a Duke, Matthew Hurt, or Pac-12, McKinley Wright at Colorado, or even like mid-majors like uh, Simon Wright at Elon, if they find a way to make it into the tournament. Just seeing these different guys, and we've seen it over the past couple of years, like Vinny going off at NDSU and playing against Duke and yeah. having 20 points, whatever he had. It's It'll be fun for us as Minnesota uh, born and raised basketball fans to see these guys who are still our age or at least a year younger or so go off in the tournament and have that to look forward to while the Gophers who don't have any Minnesota players really uh, sit out. Yep. Do you guys want to? I have a couple other brackets in front of me from, let's see, I have the ACC tournament here. I have the Big 12, the SEC, the Big East, and that's it. Any takes on any we, – we can go through each one of them, each one of the brackets here. I can just name the top couple seeds, and you guys pick a winner. Does that sound okay? And give any takes you have about any teams in that conference or the teams that I mentioned. Sounds like the plan. All righty. So we got uh, – let's start with the ACC. Um, one seed is Virginia. Uh, they've been playing tremendous, and it's kind of surprising to even mention them as the one seed right now. I think it's – I don't know – they won five out of the last um, ACC championships, and they've been the one seed for three or four years in a row now. Um, really just absolutely dominating the standard blue bloods in college basketball. Um, but they, they, again, have the number one seed in the ACC tournament. Um, Florida State, the number two seed. Zay, or I mean, not Xavier, excuse me. Virginia Tech, the number three seed. And Georgia Tech, the number four seed. So kind of a unusual top four seeds there in the ACC tournament. Anybody stand out to you guys in that field? Also, to mention one of the bubble teams, Syracuse, really, really uh, on that bubble. I think they're the last team out right now in Lenardi's bracket. They play NC State on Wednesday. Uh, But of the teams I mentioned, anyone stand out in your guys' mind? Well, Virginia is the technically reigning national champion. So, uh, <laughs> true, true. I, yeah. I guess you can never count them out. Yeah. And they, they still have Kihei Clark. I think who what stands up team. to me is, sorry, go ahead, BG. I think what stands out to me, I had no idea that Georgia Tech was number four. I don't think I've ever really heard of Georgia Tech in a basketball context. I think it was, was, was Georgia Tech the one that had Jarek McKinnon? Is like their quarterback. Uh, yep. Or was yep. that Georgia Southern? <laughs> no, that something? was no. Maybe it was Georgia Southern. I'll look it up real quick. But I think it was yeah, Georgia Tech because they ran that goofy offense. Yeah. The triple option. Yeah. Yeah. Triple option. Yep. Um, but okay, that's besides the you point. Went to Georgia Southern. Oh, he went to Georgia. Georgia Southern. Southern. Yeah. Okay. Dang. Well, then I, I've not really heard Georgia Tech anything athletically for football or basketball. It's shocking that they're above Duke and North Carolina, but I like it just to stir things up. Um, if I had to pick a winner for the ACC tournament, I'm going with Florida State. I just think they're a sweet team. I love their coach. Um, they have, I think, Scotty Barnes is the freshman on their team. Scotty Barnes or Scotty Miller. I think Scotty Barnes, um, who's like a six foot eight point guard, and he's just been killing it. And the past few years, Florida State has just had a sweet team of big guys, super physical, super aggressive, hitting the O boards. And I just love to see they see that. So. I'm going with uh, Florida State to come out. I like it. Randolph, any other? I guess you kind of gave your take on Virginia 
national yeah. reigning champions. Uh, they still do have Kihei Clark, like I mentioned, uh, although I'm not really confident. I haven't seen him play a ton this year, but in years past, he's always just been kind of shaky with the ball in his hands at the end of games, and he wasn't the star on that 2019 national championship team because he was a good piece as a guard off the bench. But uh, I, I don't know about him down the stretch if he can – if you can rely on him, and that's who they do rely on at the end of the game. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the ACC. Um, going on to, let's see what we have next, the SEC. Okay, let's go Alabama at the one seed, uh, Arkansas at the two seed with Coach Eric Musselman at the helm of that squad. Three seed is LSU. Four seed is Tennessee. Uh, fellas, Alabama just absolutely can score the basketball uh, kind of like Iowa at that sense, Andy. They just absolutely run up and down the floor, even a faster pace than than, than Iowa plays. They don't play any defense, really, but I, I think Alabama, <laughs> obviously, as the one seed, is the, the heavy favorite to come out uh, of the SEC, although I'm definitely cheering for Musselman and Arkansas at, at the two seed. So I, I think it'll be a good SEC tournament. Who do you guys like in this one? Um, I like... Uh, I'll go with Arkansas too. Obviously, with Musselman as a coach there, we got to pull for him. And I think they're just a, a really good team. The last time Arkansas and Alabama played was two weeks ago, I think. And Arkansas beat Alabama, which was an upset at the time. So, looking for them to repeat um, if if they face off against Alabama in the SEC tournament. And I will say LSU, LSU is a pretty fun team to watch. They're horrible at defense. Um, and their star player, Cam Thomas, if you guys have heard of him at all. He's yeah. really bad at defense too, but he puts up 25 a night and is going to go to the NBA at some point, and he is just the definition of a pure scorer, just a really, really good shooter, composed, a really good driver, NBA body, but um, it'll be fun to watch him. I don't know. If I have time, I'll try to watch the SEC tournament and just see him to go off, but I don't think that they'll make it. So it's not really much of a take, but I'm guessing it'll come down to Alabama and Arkansas. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree with you, BG. Um, I think it's interesting, though, like looking at the Ken Palm ranking, um, you know, Alabama's offense is ranked 40, 41st uh, in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um and um, I mean, it obviously gets the job done uh, done at the SEC, but um, it'll be interesting to see what um, you know how that translates uh, in, into the big tournament. But um, yeah, I think Arkansas, both Arkansas and Alabama, are both teams that no one really talks about from a basketball sense, especially Alabama. But no one really ever considers them, you know in Arkansas in much of any sports. <laughs> so the right. fact that they're, they're kind of the two favorites coming out of the SEC, I think is, um, at least for non-SEC basketball fans, I think it's, it's a good little mix-up for 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think that'll be an interesting one as well, and, and go must, go Razorbacks. Uh, moving on now to the Big East, uh, Madison Square Garden, per usual. I, do, I doubt there's going to be fans there, but I have no idea. Uh, Villanova is the one seed. Big news on Villanova, Colin Gillespie, the guard. And I, I don't know, I don't think he's expected to play in this. Well, I know he's not expected to play in this tournament. I don't know. Is he done for the year? Did, did you guys hear about that? Well, it was a somewhat, didn't he fracture his leg? Was or it something? a fracture? Okay. Yeah. So he's so definitely done. Yeah. Be out. yeah. 
Um, I'll just double check. But yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he's done for the year. And so that's a big hit for Villanova. Uh, they still obviously are a very good basketball team. Creighton is the number two seed in this tournament. Uh, UConn, the number three seed. St. John's and Seton Hall rounding out the four and five seeds out of the Big East. Fellas, um, obviously there is some big news around Creighton having their coach suspended. I'm not sure if he's is he still going to be suspended for this tournament. Is McDermott going to be back? Or is he still? Let me look at this up too. Um, I, I think he is. He's going to be suspended. Oh, no, it says here, lead story on ESPN. Creighton Blue Jays reinstate men's basketball coach Greg McDermott. Um, there you go. So he's back. Uh, he's back after the comments from a week ago. Um, that's got to be big news for Creighton. Uh, at least getting their head coach back is certainly going to help them. Uh, but who do you guys like coming out of the Big East? I, I think it's a big drop-off after you go past Creighton. I think that UConn's a pretty good team, but not at the level that um, Villanova and Creighton are at. Mm-hmm. Um, and Creighton's been kind of a fun team to watch too with the big guys that they have and the transfers they've gotten like Alex O'Connell. It just kind of seems like a random combination for a Creighton team, but um, they've had some really good spurts throughout the season. So I guess just to be fun, I'll take Creighton coming out of the Big East um, and topping Villanova in the championship game. I think the injury to Gillespie really hurts them as he's their leader. He's their veteran with March Madness experience with Big East tournament experience, and to have him go down right before the tournament starts, I think will um, kind of be a big have a big impact, especially because that's their point guard. So I'll take uh, Creighton, and I guess they have the head coach back too, which is huge for them. Yep, it looks like Gillespie. Sorry to cut you off here, Andy, but Gillespie tore his MCL. So yeah, he's hundred percent out. So definitely out of the season. Um. I guess Randy already said his, but oh, let's go on to the Big 12 then. Uh, Baylor is the number one seed. Kansas is the number two seed. Texas, the number three seed in Oklahoma. No, excuse me, West Virginia, the four. Oklahoma State, the five. Baylor is by far the best uh, team in this conference, in the Big 12 conference tournament. Um, I expect them to win this one easily, but it could be a good matchup with Kansas in the finals uh, of the Big 12 championship. Um is there any way Kansas can knock off Baylor in either of your guys' minds? Could you go through the one through five again? Sorry. Yeah, so it was Baylor at the one, Kansas at the two, Texas at the three seed, West Virginia four, and Oklahoma State five. Only reason I mentioned them is uh, Kate Cunningham is is phenomenal and could be yeah. a big difference in this tournament. Yeah, I saw Cunningham was – oh, go ahead, Andy. I was going to say, but Cunningham's coming off of that ankle injury. Yeah, but uh, exactly, but he's coming back. Yeah. I mean, I mean, kind of like with, with Iowa and Wieskamp, like if you're, if you're Oklahoma State, you, you're in the tournament for sure. I mean, maybe you're trying to, trying to get a little uh, bump up a seat or two, but I mean, I think you, I think you rest him to, to keep him healthy, um, you know, going into, going into March Madness. I don't know why you would, uh, risk further re-injury with him uh, going into the tournament. So um, I like why I love watching Oklahoma State basketball. I don't know why, but I, they've been on ESPN a lot this year. I think because of uh, Cade Cunningham, but they've mm-hmm. played some really interesting basketball games. They um, 
Like they're a team that like they're not going on a run like every game, you know, uh, to the Iowa's horn, but like, Iowa's gone on 30 10 0 runs throughout the whole season. Um, but like they're a team that like they can be down 20 and get out of that hole in 15 minutes, I mean, less than 15 minutes, um, you know, like just in half basketball. Um, so they're a fun team to watch. And that's why I hope Kate Lingham's healthy for the, the tournament is because that's going to be a, um, a fun team that could be an Elite Eight, um, maybe even further uh, uh, story. Yeah. What, looks- what's his injury? What happened to his ankle? I think he, he like landed on someone's foot just like a bad high ankle sprain. Yeah, it oh. just says sprained ankle on the CBS yeah. article here. He is most likely not going to play against West Virginia on uh, the 11th. Yeah. Sprained ankles, sprained ankles, an injury too. Where like he could play, like if he really had to, but it's also an injury that, like it's literally just takes time to heal, and you know there's a high chance of re-injury if you come back early. So, like, I don't see any reason for him. It's not like he has to prove anything for his draft stock. He's still going to probably be taken number one. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd say sit it out for the Big Twelve tournament and save him for the big dance. Yeah, and they are firmly in the big dance right now, projected as a number four seed in Lenardi's bracketology. Um, uh, yeah, I guess you, you do make a good point, Andy. There's There really is no reason for them to play. I mean, it's not like they're going to get up to a number one seed, even if they did win the Big 12 tournament. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. A lot of basketball coming our way the next couple of weeks. Any mid-major schools um, that we didn't talk about that you guys like as potential Cinderella's? In this tournament, I like Houston. I think Houston's an elite eight team. Oh, okay. Um, and then I, th- I think Loyola Chicago plays great defense. And you know, what what are the buzzwords for March Madness? Great defense, experienced guard play, can make um, three pointers. <laughs> um, I mean, they don't have a sister. What's her name? Sister but, Jean? Uh, no, yeah, Sister think, Jean is back, I think. Oh, she's back? I From yeah, everything I I've so heard, too. I'm pretty sure she's back. So they still do have Sister Jean. Could be another magical run for them. But I think those are the two been majors that um, have the best shot, like, you know, making it to the second weekend. Um, I mean, there's going to be random, you know, random in major two that, that makes it this week 16, but again, I'd put pretty good money on both Loyola Chicago and uh, Houston making it. Yeah. Making it to this well, I mean, you can't really say Houston. They're going to be like a two or three seed. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, yeah. that's, like mean, picking, yeah. that's like picking, that's like taking like, a favorite. Like Gonzaga. Yeah. Gonzaga's a, yeah. I was going to say. We haven't talked about Gonzaga. If yeah. we're talking mid-majors, I'm taking Gonzaga for sure. Yeah. I guess I, I was more, I don't, I don't consider Gonzaga a uh, mid-major. I was more talking uh, 12, five upsets, 11, um, what is it? 11, six. Yeah. I think it's 11, six upsets, uh, yeah. 13, four games. Those are the, the, the middle of the row, you know, where you get those upsets, Wichita state's always a team that's, that's knocking off somebody in a 12, five game. I think they're going to be right around a 12 seed this year. Uh, I think Lenardi had them at an 11 seed. So that could be a potential team to watch again. They're always hot around March. seems like they can always put together a couple of games where they make like 14, three pointers and a half and, they just end up winning and knocking off somebody good. Um, anything else March Madness related? We'll have Max Musselman on 
hopefully on uh, on Thursday night. So that's Aaron on Friday, um, breaking down everything before the weekend. But anything else college basketball related before we get into a little PGA Tour talk, a little Bryson talk? I wonder if Florida Gulf Coast has got a team this year. Mm, good a good question. team. I do not know. They are not in any of Lenardi's um, brackets, at least that I've seen. But you never know. Maybe they'll win. And I mean, whatever tournament. I don't think in. they're still playing right now, and they'd probably be playing during these like early. Yeah, they probably would have had to get their so bid already. Out. Yeah, they definitely. That'd be had fun to, get to see bid. again. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna get some of those this year. Some hopefully there's a lot of upsets. I mean, it's always a, a great tournament when there's a, a, just a ton of upsets and a ton of madness and one seeds are going down in the first round or that doesn't happen very often. It's only happened once, but two seeds are going down in the first round and three seeds are going down and we're getting triple overtime games and in the eight, nine seeded games and all, all this yeah. action going on at once is just absolutely electric. And I cannot wait for it, fellas, just a couple of weeks away now. Um, let's move into a little PGA tour talk. Randy, I know Bryson is your boy. You're a big fan of Bryson DeChambeau. He got it done this weekend at Bay Hill, 11 under. Uh, had that incredible drive on Saturday where he drove it. Um, even through, I think it went through the fairway, like 375 carry over the water on six. Ended up making just a birdie. Uh, ho-hum for bird, but. Exactly. You know, he ended up getting exactly. it done at the end of the day, Randy. And your boy. He, he, I... I don't know what it is about Bryson. Like, I think it goes back to like the protractor or whatever it was he had a couple of years ago that, uh, that was a questionable rule. Like he had a, literally like a, like a compass or something, something used in like fifth grade math to like read the greens with. But I mean, you can't make such a big deal about just carrying water a long way only to make pretty, like you have to be, you have to make, you, you, you can't talk it up and then, like pump the crowd up and everything just for like hitting the happy Gilmore drive. Yeah. And then like both days, I think he missed the green on his second shot. Like he just had a green regulation. Like yeah. guys he was playing with made birdie from way farther out. I mean, I think most impressive was Rory McIlroy made a double bogey seven uh, on Sunday, hit his first two tee shots into the water down the fairway and then got up and down from 240 yards for, for, uh, for double bogey yeah. but um i mean bryson he uh he hits the ball a long way a, a long long way and um and he can butt which um you know it's it's only a matter of time before that's what the tour becomes is you know bryson dechambeau matthew wolf um you know these young guys who are just you know the way the courses are built is that you know you can just bomb it out there as far as you can and you're not penalized for just hitting in the rough. That's why I think the world golf championships at a uh, concession was so such a great tournament a couple weeks ago was, uh, was because you actually had to be uh, accurate off the tee and you couldn't just bomb it away and um, you know, get up and down. Um, he's already talked about the players championship on 18 going up. Uh, number nine fairway, which is kind of parallel to uh, to 18, um, because this year they they don't have grandstands that would be blocking the green. Um, like it's like the course the courses need to change. I mean, courses need to be like concession uh, from a couple weeks ago. Um, the Honda Classic 
is going to be one where it's going to be, um, it's going to be, you're going to be penalized for missing the green. I mean, for missing the fairway, they're going to have those greens rolling so hard that you're not going to hold anything from, from in the rough. Like that's the way the courses need to be, um, not even built, just set up for it. It's right. The, these courses are the nicest courses in the world. They're the best ground keeping stats in the world. They can make the courses hard, but they just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. Um, or in a so, lot of cases, they just choose not to because they don't always think that's best. What was that? In a lot of cases, too, they just choose not to. I mean, it's not that they're yeah. not getting around to it. It's not like they're not having the time. It's just that was a choice by either the tournament director or the, the, the director of the PGA Tour or whatever it is for, for broadcasting reasons or for viewership or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's because they want to get the biggest names and the best golfers in the world don't like making double bogeys. Um, they like playing easier courses. Um, and, you know, when they set the courses up so hard, um, you know, guys just aren't going to, the top players aren't going to play. Um, and um, it's the, I, I less, how do I put it? I'm not a Bryson fan, but I'm more so not a fan of like his style of golf. And my fear is that that's what professional golf is going to come to is just 350 to 400 yard drives into rough. That doesn't penalize you at all because you're hitting the, you know, 52 degree wedge into the green instead of a seven iron. Um, and I mean, the PGA tour, I think has to do something about it. Everyone talks about the equipment being unique. The equipment different. You don't need to do anything with the equipment. You just the golf courses are nice enough, and the grounds crews are nice enough. They can make those courses hard. Um, and I mean, the great equalizer is is fairways and greens. At the end of the day, is having the having demanding tee shots, and then having greens where if you're not hitting for the fairway, you're going to be penalized. Yeah. Um, so um, I mean. We'll see. The, the Players' Championship has always varied in scores. I think anywhere, like, winners have been anywhere from, like, 10 under to 20 under. Um, the word on the street is that they've been setting it up more difficult this week. Um, so, um, I mean, it's going to be it's the top players in the world. Um, and then, you know, just all leading up to uh, Augusta here in just uh, three, four more weeks. Yep. Um so, and, and just final point at Bay Hill is, um, you know, it would have been nice to see Lee, we- Lee Westwood get one, you know, one of the, uh, of course uh, you're a Lee Westwood fan. <laughs> it, it, it was funny watching Lee Westwood and Bryson DeChambeau, two guys who look alike, like just build wise, yeah. like just big guys. <laughs> and one of them just driving like a hundred yards farther than the other. <laughs> they both look like they should be driving the ball 400 yards. Yeah. And Lee Westwood is like he always has been. He's accurate off the tee. He makes clutch butts. Um, and, you know, he reacts up top 20 seconds. No one's business. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he's not quite, he, what is he, like six feet tall? Maybe 5'11. Westwood? Yeah. Uh, I, Let's see. I think he's on the taller side. I mean, six foot tall is on the taller side. On the yeah. He, okay. He's six foot. You're right. Six foot even. Um, but yeah, certainly a lot of good stuff coming in golf. It's Jim Nance season, March Madness, and yep. you know, I absolutely love 
the March Madness, the, the CBS music that they play for March Madness, the da 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 and then that leads right into the the Augusta, the Jim Nance, Hello Friends, and they just had that soft little piano playing. It's just beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and it's a tremendous time to be a sports fan, fellas. Absolutely tremendous. Um, let's get on. T- yeah, there it is. It's a it's my phone ring. There we go. There we go. Randy's always ready for Augusta. Just a couple weeks away now. About a month. About a month till Augusta. Uh, Let's get to our last thing here for the episode. Best thing I saw all weekend. Um, BG, let's start with you. What was the best thing you saw? Mine was going to just be the smaller conference tournaments going on and these no-name teams I've been watching just to get in the March Madness mood, but we kind of talked about that already. So now I'll go with the breaking news out of yesterday that Dak Prescott is signing a four-year, $160 million contract to stay in Dallas, and that's the best news I've heard all week because I don't like the Cowboys, and they uh, hilariously overpaid Prescott in my opinion, $75 million is what he's going to get paid the first year um, when you tie in guaranteed money. Um, and he's now the second highest paid quarterback in all football behind Patrick Mahomes. And um, it makes Kirk Cousins' deal feel a little bit better for us. So um, I'm, I am happy for him. I do like Dak. I've got nothing against him, especially when he's coming back from his injury and that gruesome injury he had. So I'm happy for him, but I'm also happy seeing the Cowboys make that deal and struggle to sign Zeke with that contract and the other parts of the Cowboys team. Yeah, and it, what's crazy about that contract, I mean, Dak is going to make $75 million next year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yep. absolute, that, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's so much money. I mean, it's a, he's maybe a, a – slightly above average NFL quarterback and he's coming off a very serious injury and they're giving him 160 million, 75 million in the first year. Yeah. That's it's like it's MLB and there's no salary cap. Yeah. And there's nobody obviously there is coming at your head off the line that could end your career in 0.2 seconds. That's Yeah. yeah, absolutely insane. Andy, best thing you saw all weekend. Um, it is officially, you know, it might be Jim Nance season coming up here in the next couple weeks, but until then it is John Ross <laughs> season. I love uh, it. He is just, I don't think he's sleep. I mean, he doesn't sleep. He's not sleeping until May, but, uh, but Brady, I was sending you some, uh, some of his, some of his tweets from, uh, the past week, but he is just on fire, uh, on Twitter. Um, you know, this is March, um, all of his nicknames. Um, like the good one from yesterday was the cardiologist appointments across America are now booked. Why? This is March. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's just, he's just full of them. And uh, he's such a great Twitter feed, uh, Twitter follow this time of year, especially like, he probably knows more about like mid majors than like Jonah, Joe Lenardi does. Like that's like, and expanding a little bit, like thing that I always like crack you know, about, Selection Sunday until the first round of the tournaments is all these like, especially on ESPN, you have like Stephen A. Smith like breaking down some like some under some sleeper team that he thinks is going to make a run, and I guarantee you he hasn't watched a minute of that team play basketball uh, this whole <laughs> year. That's like, and, and, and that even goes for like I'm sure even like the, the guys who cover college basketball, or some of them will call it cover college basketball. Like they don't know anything about 
like random, you know, mid-major teams who, uh, um, you know, who win their tournaments and, and, and make it in. But um, I mean, I think John Ross seems one of those guys who, who actually knows. So <laughs> it's uh, um, like I said, John Ross seems season and uh, um, great follow on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was going to go the exact same route. Um, I see you on that one because it is absolutely John Rothstein time. And how much has he blown up in the last really two years? We didn't get March Madness last year, as he has mentioned on his Twitter many times, and he's even done like a State of the Union-like address um, addressing the loss of March Madness 2020. But it's so good to have him back. It's so good to have the brackets back. And I feel pretty confident, and knock on wood here, fellas, but I feel pretty confident that conference tournament week is going to go off smoothly and the March Madness tournament is going to go off smoothly too with all the precautions they're taking, all the money they're spending and just testing these guys every day, making sure everyone's quarantined and just getting them in different facilities and different airplanes, even when they travel out to these different games. I'm very confident and I'm super jacked up because it's been two years since we've seen March Madness. It's been two years since we've seen the the madness of a, of a Thursday and a Friday round of 64 games this year. It's going to be Thursday, Saturday, um, the round of 64, which is just going to be absolute madness uh, on just a different day. But I am totally jacked up for March Madness. Uh, my best thing I saw all week, it was going to be John Rostein. Um, let's go a different direction. Let's go back to golf. Let's go Spieth. Hole in one on Saturday. I can't even remember what hole it was, but Speether getting back up in the mix. I finished. I think he finished fourth this week, and that's been a couple of top ten finishes, even a couple of top fives in the last few weeks. So Jordan Spieth trending in the right direction as we head towards uh, April, as we head towards the Masters. He shot six under this week. Hasn't played very good on Sunday yet, Randy. Hasn't been able to find really that magic of the 2015. 2016 seasons that he had when he went on that stretch of majors and all those wins and almost breaking the course record at Augusta for four days. It seems like he's rounding into form and it seems like he's going to be one of the favorites at Augusta. And obviously he's already got a win there and then the big blow up the year later, but is is Spieth is is looking like he has a great chance and I'm, I'm rooting for him all the way. I'm smelling uh, back nine on Sunday collapse for Spieth. Oh, come on. Um, Don't do that to my guy. 13th hole. Demons coming back out. I, I think he's conquered him. I, I think he's conquered the, the demons from 13. It's not, it's not going to be 13. He's going to, he's going to like hit one. He's going to hit one until water on 15. And then he's going to hit like a pull hook into the water on 16 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly, I'm not going to put the farm on it, but. I'll put a little money on Spieth to win the Masters because I think he's going to have... You put the spare bedroom. Yeah, maybe Yeah, maybe just the spare mattress. Maybe just the spare mattress yeah. on it. Bedroom. Not the whole farm. Yeah. Not the whole farm. Just a couple of couple of pigs. A couple of pigs, maybe a sheep. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see what happens with Jordan Spieth. Uh, fellas, that'll do it. We'll be back on Friday morning talking conference tournaments, breaking down the action from earlier in the week and previewing all the matchups for the weekend. Best time of the year, fellas. We'll see you guys all on Friday. What day is it? And in what mind this clock never seems so alive. I can't keep up and I can't back down. I've been losing so much time. 
says you and me and all other people with nothing to do, nothing to lose, and it's you and me and all other people, and I don't know why, can't keep my eyes off of you. What are the things that I want to say just aren't coming out right? I'm tripping words, you got my head spinning, I don't know where to go from here. Cause it's you and me, and all other people with nothing to do. Nothing to prove, and it's you and me, and all other people, and I don't know why, I can't keep my eyes off of you. Something about you now, I can't quite figure out, everything she does is beautiful. Everything she does is right It's you and me And all other people with nothing to do Nothing to lose And it's you and me And all other people And I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you and me And all other people with nothing to do, nothing to prove, and it's you and me, and all other people, and I don't know why, can't keep my eyes off of you. What day is it? And in what month this clock never seemed so alive?